This is the Photography Podcast on Photography.ca, episode number 127, Why I Hate Point-and-Shoot Cameras. Hey there, photo lovers. How's it going? And welcome to the 127th photography podcast on photography.ca. My name is Marco, and as usual, we're coming to you from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. For today's show, we're going to talk about why I hate point-and-shoot cameras. In podcast number 76, about four years ago, I did a podcast uh, on point-and-shoot cameras, and I actually reviewed uh, the Canon G11, which I still have. And uh, just about everything I said back then uh, still holds true, but point-and-shoots have had about four years to mature, so I figure it's time to go over this again, but you can guess by the title of the podcast that I'm not the biggest fan of point-and-shoots. And I'm about to describe why, but before we get into it, I'd like to thank The Camera Store, the largest camera store in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, for sponsoring this podcast. So basically, lately, I've been giving more and more private courses uh, to people who want, you know, photo tours of Montreal or want to learn creative photography a little bit, you know, on a one-to-one basis. And uh, I've also been giving a couple of group courses uh, lately. And uh, recently, uh, I gave a group class where, you know, 50% of the people had a DSLR and about 50% uh, had a point-and-shoot camera. And uh, unfortunately, there was no uh, prerequisite for the course. And basically, for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to tell you why I dislike point-and-shoots for creative photography. And then I'm going to tell you that if you do want to get one, I'll give you a couple of models uh, to choose from. All right, let's get into it. So I use the words uh, creative photography a lot. And I definitely differentiate creative photography from like snapshot photography. In snapshot photography, you let the camera's inferior brain uh, record the scene, uh, normally using an automatic setting. And in creative photography, we don't press the shutter release until we are aware that the aperture, the shutter speed, the ISO, and the composition are the way we like it. So composition is usually the last stage. And in order to get creative with composition, you need to know how exposure works. Now, for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to assume everyone knows basic exposure, but if you don't, you could definitely check out the ebook I wrote on the topic uh, last year. Or, of course, you should feel free to search the net for, you know, all kinds of free information. I'd say two to three hours is all most people need to fully understand how exposure works, and once you understand it, you'll use it every time you make creative images, every single time. And once you understand exposure, you will understand that the aperture you use is usually the most creative choice you're going to make for the vast majority of your photography. The aperture helps determine the depth of field, which is the area of sharp focus versus unsharpness in your image. And in general, the larger your aperture is going to be, the shallower your depth of field will be, and the smaller your aperture is going to be, the deeper or the more profound uh, your depth of field will be. And given that our 3D world gets represented in 2D in photography, this aperture choice is crucial. It will allow you to give the illusion of depth where no depth exists. And in order to get creative, you need to set the aperture with your own brain, not the camera's inferior brain. So let's get right into it. This is why I hate point and shoots. 
So number one, on most point and shoots, you need to delve deep into the menu to change the aperture. And this is very, very annoying to have to do for like every single image. You know, on, on DSLR cameras, the aperture is right there. Sometimes it's on the old film cameras, it was right on the lens. Uh, these days you just move your thumb to choose the aperture. It takes a second and you need to do it for every single shot. What's even worse are the lower end point and shoot cameras these are 100% automatic sometimes, and you can't even choose the aperture. On a camera like this, it's useless. You could throw it in the garbage for creative photography for all intents and purposes. If you're already a photographer and you know how to manipulate things, yeah, I guess you can use it creatively in that respect. But if you're learning photography, any camera where you cannot set the aperture is useless. And this is because the ISO, the aperture, and the shutter speed are all the necessary ingredients for a good recipe. And every single image where the camera does it automatically, or hopefully you're gonna start doing it with your own brain, you set these up, the aperture, the ISO, and the shutter speed, and then you determine your composition. If we compare it to food, you know, a TV dinner is still food, but it's somebody else's recipe, and it cannot go head to head with a recipe that you made from scratch with your own creative thinking and fresh ingredients. Number two, the aperture again. So the apertures are more limited on point and shoot cameras. There are simply less of them. You know, on most DSLRs, you know, you'll go from F4, 5.6, F8, F11, F22, F32, etc. Many, many, many point and shoots only have three or four apertures to choose from. Loads of them only go to F8. And this means that the difference between the sharp zones and unsharp zones in your photograph is going to be less dramatic than with a DSLR. And although this may not sound like much, you know, for those that aren't too experienced with aperture, using aperture creatively, getting those soft backgrounds when you want them, that's part of the secret sauce uh, in photography. It really is. And due to the inherent differences in the sensor sizes between point and shoot cameras and DSLR cameras, it makes a monster difference. Because when the sensor on the cameras are too small, you get inherently more depth of field. So you get more sharpness from foreground to background. And sometimes we want the background very, very soft. Sometimes, you know, for photographing a portrait, for instance, a person against the Christmas tree, we want those Christmas lights in the background to be super, super soft. We want the scene to have loads of bokeh, as we say, and that's the creaminess of the background. And you're gonna be able to get really serious creaminess from a DSLR and not necessarily that much creaminess from a point and shoot. You will still get some. Yes, you can make images with soft backgrounds using point and shoot cameras, but you can't make them as soft. Head to head, your backgrounds can be much softer with DSLR cameras than point and shoot cameras. So you really have a much greater control over that level of creaminess, shall we say. And the more you get into photography, the more you're gonna wanna have control over that creaminess. So this is yet another reason why, in my opinion, point and shoots are inferior to DSLRs. Number three is gonna be shutter lag. And shutter lag is the difference in time from when you press the shutter release button to the time the image is actually taken. And shutter lag has actually improved in the last four years since I, I did my last podcast. But yet the shutter lag inherent in point and shoots cameras still sucks four years later when you're trying to track a moving object like a bird or your dog or your child walking quickly for the first time. You're often, often, often gonna be missing these shots with a point and shoot camera, but if you had used a DSLR, it would have done a beautiful job. 
So although yes, there are good point and shoot cameras that will get you some, you know, indistinguishable results from a DSLR under good lighting conditions, uh, tracking a moving subject will almost always lead to uh, frustration, yelling, and maybe additional hair loss, like in my case. So, so if you're gonna wanna be tracking a moving subject, your point and shoot camera is a very inferior tool. Number four is manual focus. And cameras are basically dumb machines that never really know what you want in focus. All they do is average tones. Sometimes they can distinguish a little bit of contrast, but they can never know what you and your brain want it sharp. When you're making a portrait, you want the eye sharp. The camera may not always know that. And sometimes you're trying to get sharp eyes and it gives you a sharp nose. So this is when manual focus comes in super, super handy because on a DSLR, you just switch to manual focus in a millisecond. And then usually you actually move the lens itself and you get sharp focus like right away. It's a nightmare to do in most point and shoot cameras because most point and shoot cameras that have manual focus, bunches of them don't, but for many of them that have manual focus, again, you have to delve deep into the menu to find it. And then you have to control it, pushing buttons back and forth. It's a nightmare. It's not user friendly and uh, it won't be fun to manual focus. Number five is going to be the price. It's absolutely incredible what you can get for 500 bucks these days. You know, at thecamerastore.com or at B&H or something like that, if you're from the US, you can get a brand new entry level like Nikon or Canon DSLRs for 500 bucks with the lens. These are cameras that will focus fast, have easily adjustable apertures, shutter speeds, ISOs, and focus points. It'll be like better than any point you shoot on the market, easier to learn, more user friendly, and it'll get you better quality. The higher end point and shoots will usually be above $500 and these $500 cameras will beat the point and shoot almost every time. Number six is going to be that you can't change lenses on point and shoot cameras. So, you know, you're stuck with the lens that's there. And usually it has a decent, you know, focal length. It has a zoom capacity, so it could record a little bit wide to some zoom. But what if you want even more zoom or what if you want even more wide? You're kind of stuck. So it's another reason why I, I really don't like uh, point and shoot cameras that much. So in my opinion, point and shoots are inferior in every single way against almost any new DSLR except for one factor. And that's the portability. Point and shoots are more portable, it's true. And they do say that the best camera is the one you have with you, but I hate that phrase with a passion. I don't know who they are, and I disagree with them when it comes to the quality of the end result. So yes, mediocrity is better than zero. Yes, TV dinners are better than no food. So in that respect, they are good, you know, and if you are keenly aware of those limitations of the point and shoots, you know, sure, go ahead and buy one. Many serious amateurs and pros have them. You know, I've had a Canon G11 for four years now, and it's great for souvenirs with friends, and it will work superbly well in great light. But due to all of those limitations that I described earlier, so far, I can't recommend it for general creative photography. You got to go with a DSLR. Now, despite how hard I've just ragged on point and shoot cameras for the uh, last short while, if you do want to get one, you know, for the portability factor, for the souvenir factor, for whatever factor, for God's sakes, get one where you can control all the basics without going into uh, the menu. So this means you need to be able to adjust the ISO, the aperture, the shutter speed, and uh, exposure compensation is also a really good thing to be able to adjust right on the face of the camera as well. 
And if you wanted to get one of those cameras today, uh, the Canon G16, which is the model that replaces uh, my G11, is a good bet. The Nikon P7800 is a good bet, and the SX20 by Fuji are all a good bet. They're all near the $500 mark, you know, the same price as that new DSLR with the lens. But because these three cameras are going to have all the basics at your fingertips, uh, they're going to make for a less frustrating point-and-shoot user experience than those where you have to dig deep in the menu. And I really think that's all I have to say about point-and-shoots. If you think I'm wrong or you see other creative uses, or you want to send me some additional information that I may not know of, of course, feel free to uh, email photography.ca at gmail.com or better yet, you could post a comment uh, directly in the blog photography.ca forward slash blog. In terms of assignments on our forum this month, our regular assignment is Hidden, and our level two assignment is Sense of Scale. Already some good submissions. Uh, please feel free to join our forum if you're lurking. Feel free to post. Feel free to submit your assignment if you haven't already done so. I believe I'm going to try and do mine this week. And we're a friendly bunch on the forum, so uh, don't be shy to join. I'd like to thank The Camera Store again for sponsoring this podcast. The Camera Store is a full-line dealer for an entire range of photographic equipment and supplies. Whether you are a leading professional or new to photography, their expert staff are always ready to assist you in finding the perfect equipment at great prices. If you're in Montreal and wanted to check out some of my personal work, I have an exhibition going on at Hotel 10 until maybe the first week of May or so. Or if you wanted to hook up with me for some one-to-one -one private courses or a photo tour of Montreal, I will leave the link in the show notes. It's markokulik.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We're in springtime now in many parts of North America, thank goodness. So hopefully uh, that just gets our spirits high up there and we get out and keep on shooting. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks so much for listening.